Today's episode of the Wretched Hive Podcast is sponsored by Timeless Pints Brewing Company. Timeless Pints is your go-to location for distinctively different beer in Southern California. They offer a huge variety of amazing handcrafted beers, including Belgians, Blonde, and Red Ales. The Honey Blonde is actually delicious. But really, the dark beers are my favorites, and the Bear Reader Huckleberry Stout has been my go-to beer for years with its complex roast of malts and barley and just a hint of huckleberry. Oh, man, it is delicious. Lately, I've been enjoying the Rocktoberfest, and when it comes back around, the London Porter is one of the best beers I think I've ever had. But over at Timeless Pints, the beer is great. It's really the service, though, that sets Timeless Pints apart. That place is really my cheers, and it's been that way for the last five years. Timeless Pints is right here in Southern California, in Lakewood, just a mile or so off the 405 freeway at the Cherry Avenue exit, right next to Long Beach Airport. To keep up with the latest beer releases, information about food trucks or special events, follow Timeless Pints at Timeless Pints on Twitter, or visit them on the web at TimelessPints.com. Pop over to Timeless Pints today, have a pint, and make sure to tell them the Wretched Hive sent you. Welcome to the Wretched Hive podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. So we have verified proof now, verified, that Yoda actually recognized R2-D2 on Dagobah. It's been, it's canon. And we're going to explain how we know that in a few short minutes, because you have found the Wretched High Podcast for Friday, November 13th, 2020, episode 167 of the show. My name is Steve Baldwin, and the entire Hive is back with a vengeance tonight. And we're going to start it off with the Wookiee co-pilot, Greg Lent. Stevie, believe me, it's just a good night to be talking Star Wars. And sure we're is. back, yeah, but we've kind of all been here. It's not like it's we've had one of these extended hiatuses where somebody's coming back. We've all been here, Steve. Like, where the well, fuck you, have you been? Oh, my God, Greg. The man's excited. Just let him be excited for the love of God. I am excited, and I guess I'm thinking about the new Saturday show that, we, that we're doing, Greg. Every Saturday, oh. Oh. we're dropping an episode that is a review of the Mandalorian episode for that week. And uh, so it's just it's a mini episode with just partial crew. On, on Saturday. Saturday, we all drop a deuce. <laughs> on your ears is what we do. So, it, well, that's that's pretty much every episode of the wretched, 167 deuces of the wretched hive have been dropped into our listeners' oh. ears, and they're cleaning them. Those are some dirty, there's dirty Q-tips floating around the Star Wars universe. Also on the show tonight, he is a lifelong Dodger and Star Wars fan, Evansky. I'll go one step further and say I'm a fan of freedom too. Woohoo! Let's yeah, do baby. this. I'm uh, I'm pumped. I got so I got some additions to add to your your whole wrap up from Saturday on this episodic review of the Mandalorian. So I'm I'm jazzed. I'm excited. 
Yeah, you've been all miss? over our ass about that since. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I missed I the last. If Saturday only, if only he could have gotten up at Saturday. 9 a.m. on Saturday, he could have been all over our ass in real time. Sorry, Greg. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. Got up on a Saturday. Wow. Well, maybe he'll make it this week. He made it the first week. Yeah. Did right. not make it last week, Scott? No, hell no. <laughs> no hell no. If I, if I drop the Starbucks by at your house at uh, like 8:45, would you? Would you? Uh, will that help? Well, I'll spray you with Lysol first. He's but out then, front yeah. to say anything <laughs> style with a boombox over his head. Just <laughs> in your eyes. The light, the heat. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's, a, that's a visual. Uh, also on the show, he is make a, make, make, a, make a dubbed picture of that, Scott. <laughs> I'm on that one. You know oh. what? We're gonna we're gonna take a real picture of that Scott. You won't need to dub anything in there. He is the captain of the Nico Rodriguez. Woo! Hey, hi, hello. How are we all doing tonight? Doing good, buddy. How are you? I'm, uh, you know, better than b- bad. I think. <laughs> better than bad. Jeez. Yeah. Above bad. Mm. Yeah. Bring some right. positivity, goddammit. Ah. Uh, no, uh, I'm a millennial. God, Nico. It's hard to be positive as a millennial in this day and age. If you're an elevator, is bleak. what floor would you be on? What's that? For an elevator, what floor would you be on? 69. Fuck you. Wow. <laughs> that doesn't sound like you're in a bad mood, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and finally. We meet again, you logger-headed, tickle-brained pumpkin. Oh, this is perfect. We have... Negative $69. Okay, that wasn't your score. Well, 69 is how I scored with your mother last night. (laughs) Yes. Dave. And your mother currently sits on my face, Trebek. (laughs) Under no circumstances. Sean Connery, can you repeat the question? Of Simon and Garfunkel, the one that is not Garfunkel. I Garfunkled your mother. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. Should you ever? What's the difference between you and a mallet with a cold? One's a sick duck. I can't remember how it ends, but your mother's a whore. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean... For your information, my mother is in a nursing home in Alberta, Canada. Oh, she was nursing it all right. <laughs> Call him. We, we can't keep playing if you don't let go of the pickle. That's what your mother said last night. Harry. So let's just forget that category. I'm not pretty sure that that would not turn out well. I turned out your mother last night. <laughs> Potter. I believe you'd find it in the R section. No, 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 not in the R's. Not in the R's. That's not what your mother said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, long may he rest. The original, the the one and only in in my mind, James Bond, Sean Connery. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. And and also rest in power, uh, the one, the only Alex Trebek, who also passed away. How this odd. past weekend. Steve loses track of time. It's okay. I get it. We're in a pandemic. The orange man is still president. So there's a lot going on. So that anyway, Greg, that, that was a masterpiece, sir. That was a the piece de resistance of your of your work. 
Uh, it's it's hard for me to believe that you come back from an extended anniversary weekend away with uh, with the wretched wife. You're back at work today, and you still find time to put a work of art together like that. One of my favorite skits. One of my favorite recurring gags on SNL. Thank you, sir. Yeah, but to all to all the folks at home listening, good afternoon, good morning, good evening to you wherever, whenever, and however you are listening to us. We are, as Steve said, five by five tonight. It is week one of the revolution. Who knows how it's going to end up? I don't know. We'll we'll check the court blogs tomorrow and see what's going on. But uh, I'm pretty happy. I'm feeling pretty good for the first time, even though we're uh, winter is coming. Winter is really here. If you've looked at the uh, statistics on a daily basis or a weekly basis now, I'm sure they're continuing to go up. So I'm not even going to talk about them now. But Scott, yeah. I am a little I am a little like. Why were you not on the episode? If you have all these strong feelings about just what hacks Steve and I are for reviewing The Mandalorian on Saturday morning, why aren't you uh, Why aren't you able to join us and just put us in our place, really wake us up good and well on a Saturday? Because, no, God, no human should be up that early on a Saturday. It's just, it's... Un- I concur. It's 9 a.m. <laughs> the, quote, the, the quote, Dave, that I got was, why weren't there any Star Wars fans on the show you guys did on Saturday? Well, and I'm that's, gonna what I'm right. that's what I heard. I'm sorry. Let me let me. Oh, I had the quote all lined up and it looks like that stupid Stitcher site shut down. Now, all I was going to say was where I heard this quote on the show. Where is Scotty Vansky when we need him? And that's damn yes. right. We Listening to you guys talk and not know certain things blew my mind. There were so many things in this episode that were fantastic and I have to jump right into it. I'm cutting off Dave, though. So, All right. Well, before if you've ever jumped into anything, give us a call and let us know how that went on the Wretched Hive hotline. That's 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. That's H-I-V-E. In case you can't spell hive. They say that's. <laughs> well, that was just sad. Oh, nice try. Let's try that again. Roll it again. That's amazing. And you can also find us on. Did you not hear it? That time we got it. We got it that time. And you can find us online at wretchedhivepodcast.net or you can also find us on Facebook. On Facebook! That's right. That's what I just said. Facebook.com. On Facebook! All right. We get it. On Facebook! Would you stop? Forward slash Wretched Hive Podcast. You can't just do that. Yes, I can. I just did. And you can also find us at Twitter at Wretch Hive Pod on Twitter. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Seriously. Do it. 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 Seriously, Steve, like. Yeah, 80 years ago in another life, you were like a radio show host on a really small <laughs> local Midwestern station. I just, <laughs> or hopefully, I think I heard future, him. I think I heard him in, in a future life. Out <laughs> hopefully, in a future life, let's, you know, we can have so, multiple careers here. That would be great. I would love to do that. So, I, I am just going to throw out the best thing out of that Mandalorian episode was a meme I found online, which was a, a rev, an Uber review left by the frog lady. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Driver recklessly crashed in the middle of nowhere after being chased by the cops. Walked in on me while bathing, got chased by a million spiders, and his weird kid kept eating my eggs the whole time. Zero stars, worst service ever. <laughs> That's pretty strong. <laughs> that would have been great. You know what? I didn't get to say anything, and I know Scott's got some stuff to say about this, but I think he's got more stuff to say about what you guys had to say about the episode. 
But as far as the episode goes, it was pretty strong. Yeah. But this is Star Wars. It looks like a frog. It talks like a frog. It walks like a frog. Don't fucking call it a frog. It's Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> fucking throw a ping pong ball at your keyboard and make up some goddamn name for it. But don't fucking call it a frog. There's no zippers in Star Wars. There's no underwear in Star Wars. But there are frogs in Star Fuck Wars. Fuck that. That yeah. pissed me off the entire time I watched it was that they called her a frog. And I yeah, watched. He actually says, I don't speak frog, lady. Well, okay. And I watch the show with subtitles. And I was yes, glad I watched it with subtitles on the first episode because I think, and I don't think we brought it up. Well, I didn't get to talk about it in the last show uh, because the episode hadn't come out yet. But in the first episode, there was a review, and whoever was writing the article on it called it the Great Dragon with a G, G R E A T. But if you know anything about Star Wars lore, the Crate Dragon, C R A Y T, or I think it's K R Y A T, yeah, Freight yeah. Dragon, um, with a K. Um, yeah, that's it's not a great dragon, but that's something that yeah, somebody who wouldn't know Star Wars and didn't get to watch it with subtitles might have mixed that up. But watching it with subtitles, when she first walked in, they had her on the subtitles as Frog Lady makes noises. Yeah, and yeah. that that pissed me off for the rest of the episode. I was just kind of. Mm-hmm pulled out of the episode because they called her a frog it's like you know we can call her frog lady as fans but god damn it lucasfilms like smash your head into a fucking keyboard and make up some bullshit name for that race of aliens please did it come from lucasfilm apparently it did god damn it for years i only knew pondabama as walrus man well, yeah. because mm-hmm. that's what the action figure was was walrus man yeah. so but they didn't call him walrus man anywhere in the movie and then they actually did give him a name and it turns out it was not walrus man so exactly exactly ewoks are ewoks they're not tiny teddy bears yeah. All right, but guys. They are let, tiny teddy bears. Let me back up, uh, Scott. Before before I hand it off to you, really quick, just want to just highlight um, what we're what we're sharing about here is, uh, of course, the Mandalorian that um, debut the the new releases are every Friday, and our show we have a re- a review show every Saturday around noon. We'll drop our initial reaction slash review for that episode. It's not the whole crew. There'll just be a couple of us, but we uh, we jump online Saturday morning and review and give our initial reaction of that week's episode. And so this last week, uh, after after Dave and I um, were the two-man uh, initial reaction show on Saturday, uh, Scott reached out to me and had uh, he had some issues with some stuff that we did not bring up. <laughs> and uh, he he's uh, he said he needs to take us to task a little bit. Just Scott, a little. What were the issues that you that you want to raise? What did we what did we miss on our episode two season two, which is actually chapter ten of the Mandalorian titled right. the, the Passenger. The See, passenger. this is interesting for me. Before Scott. before Scott gets started, get started. This is interesting <laughs> for me because I did not listen to the episode. Uh, for a variety of reasons, the number one reason being which I was out of town. I just got back into town yesterday, 
So I haven't, this is literally my first time talking with you guys about last week's, or the last ep- aired episode that was came from last Friday. So yeah. I'm okay. interested to see what Scott has to say. I'm interested on all of your thoughts, but I'm really interested to see where Scott's going to tear you guys a new asshole, it sounds like. So, so you'll hear what Scott, how Scott's going to tear us a new one, and then you can go back and listen to the show and see what we did, uh, see if see if what he's, if his grievances are are, uh, are fair. Preach right. it, Scott. Preach it. Scott, Scott, take us well, to task, Scott. Well, Bring it home, Steve. First, first of all, I'm going to barrel through this, but I, I have to give Greg a lot of props right there for the whole walrus man thing. I was going to jump in, jump in on that Nico-Greg conversation because I do agree with Nico, but it, it was true. Back then, Hasbro did create those names, but I, it, I, was, I was actually wrong in thinking that. Hasbro didn't create those names. They actually got those from a lot of the black and white 8x10 glossies that Lucasfilm provided them with just hand-scribbled notes saying Walrus Man or Rubber Hammerhead Puppet or something like that. So, yeah, that's it, interesting, the naming concept Lucasfilm comes up with. So, Frog Lady it is until we get an official name. Let's get into this real quick. Here we go. Um, some of the things you guys brought up. One thing I'm... I, I like this episode more than I think you guys did. I think... Um, Dave, you kind of gave it, or Steve, one, one of you said something about a C plus or a B minus. Um, that was as, me. I, ga- I gave it a C plus, B minus. Dave said two or three stars. Yeah, that's right. And I'm trying to figure out a rating system, but that's how we, that's what we did. Yeah. On, but we the- both said it was better than the A team episode, which yes. seems to be our, our discussion standard here. Better or worse than the A team episode? Which so is, wrap so these for chapter four. Yeah. My my review would be a little bit higher than that. It's still less than the first episode. I really did enjoy that first episode. Steve, you mentioned also, and we've talked about this on the show, about Monster of the Week. I really loved Monster of the Week episodes from X-Files. I did like the mythology arcs that went on and on, but those Monster of the Weeks had some phenomenal, just crazy, biz- bizarre things. And I do feel that way. However, the frog lady thing did kind of irritate me a little bit. So let's talk about some of those things you brought up and some of the things you missed. But but, but wait, you love the monster of the week on X-Files. This is not the X-Files. No, it's not. But I do like the idea that they're going to kind of incorporate that. This isn't necessarily just an isolated monster of the week. This is moving the story forward. And there might be some things you guys are overlooking. It's speculation, but it's something to do with Baby Yoda who is savage as fuck in this episode. Let me tell you, you guys hit on that? Yes, the guy is a flat stone cold killer. I mean, it's hungry. It's hungry. Hey lady, look at me. I'm going to just eat your babies right here. He is he is literally a murdering an entire race of beings. Yes. You know, I I agreed with you guys. I I didn't agree with the fact that I it bugged me. It's something new that I get to find out why this is happening. Is it just because he's a little kid and he's eating anything like frogs from the season one? But that last scene where he has one last egg and he's like looking right at you and he's like, yeah, watch me eat this fucking egg. And he just sucks it in. I'm like, whoa. But he must really like frogs because he ate a frog in season one and now he's eating frog eggs. Right. They're, so they're, they're, they're setting up a full Game of Thrones ending where he's the hero of the story until the last three episodes. He's the he's the main villain of the entire show. So he's going to be Daenerys Targaryen is what he's going to be. He's going to be completely <laughs> evil by the end of the series. Uh, Savage. So, so some of the things you guys kind of missed and I wanted to point out here. One of the things is the creature that happens at the beginning, the continuation of the uh, Tatooine sequence. Right. When the bounty hunters... This is really important. There are th- that 
that means they are still tracking that baby Yoda. This is continuing the concept that it's not a new season. We're not just doing a new, uh, like a new quest. They're still after him. So I like that they continued it and it went right into that. Uh, so one, of the, oh yeah. one, one thing just to build on that, Scott, real quick. Uh, I found this out after we recorded the episode, but one of those bounty hunter creatures is in uh, episode seven. I was just getting to that, but I appreciate oh, you. I didn't mean it. to steal your thunder then. I apologize. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, so that I, can te- I can test that, but okay, we'll continue. It's not even a test. It's I a don't fact. think it's the same creature. I don't think uh, it's the same person. The but, only that could be a, a lot of people thought it was like a mechanized looking Jawa, but that creature is actually called Scrap Jaw Motito uh, from The Force Awakens. Um, if it's the same character, I'm not sure, but it is definitely the same species. It is the exact same outfit, minus a little bit of a colorization issue with the cloak that he's wearing. Mm, the hands are different. Were they? Yeah. Tito in episode seven has like three fingers. And this this creature had a full hand, like a human hand, huh. of hand. I will definitely have to. I, look. I did well, a well, maybe maybe prepared. the explosion caused him to lose a couple fingers on each hand. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, actually, wait. When does this take place? This takes, takes place, place before seven. This years? takes place before episode seven, yeah. and that little creature does not survive this episode. That little creature gets well, dropped well, from Mandalorian's jetpack. From, from a rocket pack, but, you know, yeah. he's, he's got a tough shell outside of him. But we don't know yeah, right. He might have, we didn't see him actually. You <laughs> well, know, it's Boba like Fett walked pulse. out of the Sarlacc's stomach, so. <laughs> I, clearly, there are rejuvenative powers okay. right. in the Tatooine sands. That's all I'm right. saying. I clearly have not read enough comic books, Steve, if you think he died. <laughs> it's space magic. Another <laughs> uh, right. thing out is the the head of the the whole plan to you know do the rope across the little canyon there and kind of is is a nictu is a subspecies of the nictu species that is the species that ends up taking over the crime syndicate uh for java the hut so it's really interesting that we are on tatooine and we're not going to see java obviously or maybe java family members but it's interesting to see that that it's kind of they have the orange skin instead of the greenish skin so I, I kind of like the fact that they're bringing some of these characters around that kind of tie into that. So we got that little thing that you guys were talking about. One, I'm going to throw this way out. This is the deep cut here. The Passenger. That is a 1975 Jack Nicholson film where he is a journalist who it's goes... Also a Stooges song. So what? Yeah, yeah. Well, that comes <laughs> up in the review. They, they did bring me up in this segment, this segment, so I had to bring this up. Um, yeah. So that is the case. It's also a 2008 Anne Hathaway film about a therapist who helps five survivors from an airplane crash. Did not see that one. Pass. Uh, <laughs> big thing that we should talk about that you guys did not mention is that the actual Ice Spiders, while it is a huge homage or ripoff to Harry Potter, it is massively the exact design of Ralph McQuarrie. Uh, from artwork that was meant for the Dagobah sequence, where Luke would eventually battle one of these spiders on Dagobah. That was a scene that was cut out, but that is the exact spider. Down to the joints on the leg, everything, the little mouth underneath, it was awesome to see that thing on screen. Even if it was done scene-by-scene Harry Potter style. I have to own that. We missed that. We missed it completely. And I, after we recorded the show, I thought, you know, I think that's a Macquarie art piece and I didn't mention it. And you're, you, I, I will give you that. I blew that one. 
No, it's all good. Yep, I agree with Steve. I blame him for that miss. <laughs> I wasn't even there, and I blame him for it. So, couple more quick points. The gecko lady from the bar is actually in the bar in season one. So go back and check it out. She's in there when they walk in for the first time. So she's been hanging around at that bar looking for a ride for a while, apparently. Or maybe there's something else going on there. What is she doing on that planet? Which could lead to some other issues with the eggs and why baby Yoda or the child is doing what he's doing. Maybe he is just hungry. Maybe there's something else going on. Because, Steve, you did point out something. When he first sees them, he is using the Force, and they are being attracted to him. So I'm Mm kind of curious how that plays out. Uh, the other thing that's in the bar is the the character that Amy Sedaris's character is playing cards with is in the bar sequence from the first season as well. Mm-hmm. That character's name is Dr. Mandible. They do mention him by name. That character is actually because Peyton Reed directed this episode, which you guys brought up, mm-hmm. is what looks to be a reconstructed version of the ant from the first Ant-Man movie that's playing drums in the end sequences of that film. Mm. Other little fun little tidbits about that thing I just thought you guys might pick up or we're going to talk about, but I know. I know. And of course, course, Peyton Reed directed Ant-Man. That's the Mm -hmm. connection. That is the connection right there. Right. And they get to save money on practical effects because they already have that laying around. Exactly. Disney Studios. All Disney. They just went next door, picked it up, and threw it in the bar sequence. So for me, this episode was really kind of a wild ride because it was beginning. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Mr. Toad's wild ride, Frog Lady. I see what you did there. (laughs) Uh, No. It was – I wasn't real happy with the first half of the episode. I Frog Lady – I. While I appreciate that they are using practical effects as much as they possibly can, Frog Lady was very puppety, and I and I was not impressed with it. But, and again, I, I really like how they're kind of showing their influence. Uh, you know, last year we, we kidded around, or last week, I mean, two weeks ago. When did we do this goddamn show? <laughs> first, Math is hard. Mandalorian show. See, Steve, this is where you're fucking me up now because <laughs> we record so irregularly now. I don't know when we're recording. When we recorded the first Mandalorian show, I, I, I made a reference that that there were things that gave me some hints of blazing saddle. It's like it's like tasting a wine and here are the nodes of, of, of hickory and, and tobacco. Right. And the first episode, I got a lot of blazing saddle in my in my in my palate. <laughs> <laughs> this one what really made the episode turn around for me really sucked me in was the end and alien references that started popping out all over the place you know with the with the eggs just the, being chased by the creature and i thought it really ended strong so i was gonna rate this a c minus possibly even a d but mm. it, it brought up probably b b minus for me because the end of the episode was great yeah now question why would you rate it so low apart from the ending because i thought it was a pretty strong episode all around other than calling frog lady frog lady well it was just the whole space taxi thing wasn't exciting for me. it wasn't drawing me in i i i i wasn't it being drawn in by the story that they were trying to tell there so it it, it just it wasn't for me well, that's a that's a great point, but let's let's see. You know, this is this is why the monster of the week thing bugs me because 
Mm. This this show is going to continue to move forward through, through each episode. Each episode is going to tie in or move us to the next level. And if you look back at the original trailer, which was released, Frog Lady is in the sequence. Go back and watch it where she's walking with Mando on that water planet. So this is going to continue into the next episode, which most likely will be that planet they're going to, which is now apparently called Trask. So I'm seeing. Well, is that next week, or is the, or is she going to be a recurring character? Through, like, is this journey to deliver the eggs going to take up a a larger portion of this season than we think? Oh dear God, please no. Please no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I they follow, to. if they follow along the way that they did the first season, we shouldn't see more than like two episodes with the same, yeah. you know, supporting character. So I feel well, like they're going to, in the first, you know, first 10, 15 minutes of the next episode, they're going to drop Frog Lady off and he's going to be off on another adventure doing something else without her. Yeah, I have that feeling too, Nico. And that that makes me feel like, because they tell you in the episode, he, he's taking her there because the husband that they're supposed to meet up with is going to lead them to more Mandalorians, like from his clan, right? Wasn't it? actual mandalorians from his clan well, they're not sure that's what he asked he asked if they were from okay the the coven that you know disbanded before okay. um but the the mechanic lady said she wasn't sure that it was just they he he knew some mandos so so there was one other movie reference that you guys and this is one thing i'm not going to credit i got this from another website but they pointed out the fact that she is having that card game with that ant creature, Dr. Mandible, and she calls out a card move, and that call that she gives is used in Solo, uh, the Han Solo story, mm. the Solo story, and it's also in another, like a Clone Wars episode. So the game that they're mm. playing, is is it Sabacc? Or... It looks like Sabacc that they're playing. I right. have cards with that. So Lando yeah. uses the same term. It's it was called an idiot's move or something like that. It's the same type of play that she ends up winning that Lando uses in another in the solo story. Hmm. So you know, I wanted to circle back to something that Greg said about um, the frog lady feeling like a puppet, and it just made me think. You know, you know, she's the frog lady. The way they have the it, it looks to me like a very um, practical. Uh, set piece, right? This puppet or this headpiece that this this actor is wearing. I don't it, think there's anything practical about it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think about like Admiral Akbar. You know, like the eyes don't really move. It's just like this, almost like this. I don't know, like a paper mache, <laughs> a uh, rubber. Puppet. I don't know. Like, like, yeah, it's obviously rubberized, but nothing moves except other than the mouth. You know, and yeah, so yeah. it's very hard to you know, get facial expressions or any emotion out of anything that just the mouth moves. Um, and yeah. So it just reminded me of Akbar for, you know, like it's a trap when he says that it's like this, just this mouth that moves and there's no other emotion yeah. other than the voice. Um, Nico has his hand up. Steve. Interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, once, um, Nico, uh, the, the, the hand that was played by the mechanic is called the idiots array. The idiots array. Uh, the yes. idiots array. Oh, we've had some idiots array moments on this show, <laughs> um, for sure. But, uh, <laughs> and, oh, sorry. Oh, I, 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 I was going to say, Steve, on your point, quick, is the Akbar thing. Akbar yeah. was 
convincing. I, I think even with just the mouth flapping up and down, I think the actor inside could pr- convey more emotion in that little swivel chair he was in and just kind of the way he moved where this lady mm-hmm. looks like that head was part of the body in it. Uh, Greg, I agree with you, man. That puppet thing kind of, it kind of bugged me. Like it just, you know, this is where I got to go back and really give credit to George, because if you go back and look at some of the raw footage that's out there from the cantina scene, it looks horrible. And from, and the word from people on the set, you know, they're like, this is never going to work. It's but the editing. It's the it's, editing. It's all in the editing. Marshall yeah. Lucas, you know, yeah. uh, just really made that whole scene come alive and you bought it you know completely that they were a, it was a, a bar full of aliens it just it wasn't just all this ragtag pieces of foam rubber slapped together but Although, yeah, did, did you, by themselves, they looked like garbage did you notice when they were running back away from the spiders and they're trying to get back to the razor crest um that the frog lady was like hopping like you switch like, to cgi running like a frog yeah. yeah yeah so that that was pretty cool yeah, I'm still trying to deal with Scott thinking Admiral Akbar is realistic. I'm still, <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that one. Coming back to that, really? I mean, well, the one thing about Akbar that, that that Frank Oz did in Empire with Yoda too. Yeah, uh, obviously, I, but, a puppet, yeah. but emo- that it has the emotion that Akbar doesn't have. Let, let's let's think, play that okay, tape back. I didn't say realistic. On. I just said more realistic than the Frog Lady. That's all I'm saying. But what sells Yoda is Mark Hamill, though. Yeah. Mark Hamill's acting against Yoda is incredible. If you yeah. go back and watch those scenes, it makes you buy into Yoda. There's none of that yeah. happening because you've got Mandalorian and Frog Lady, and there's like <laughs> there's like no emotion there. The one thing about Akbar is that I remember like when he when they the rebels finally win and he slumps back in his seat, like, oh like we yeah. did it. You know, there's emotion there in the body language, but in terms of facial features, there's just nothing. Right, right. And that's what I said. I wasn't saying realistic totally. Yes, it's a rubber puppet that looks like a fish. But <laughs> I'm just saying there are moments where that actor, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he has these movements, shoulder and kind of head movements that kind of gives him a little bit more life. That's all. For, for a film yeah. made in 1982 yeah. and released in 83, I mean, come on. Yeah. You know? Compared to nowadays with what they have on The Mandalorian, they could have done a little bit with the face and instead of making it look like a frog or a yeah, gecko. I, I didn't have any complaints about the practice. They've used a lot of practical effects, and I appreciate they, that they do that. Like the uh, the Ugnaught character that was voiced by Nick Nolte, Quill. Yeah, Quill. He, yeah. he was believable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, the same person that played that character in the suit is the same person that played the frog lady. Oh, well, fuck. In the suit. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, how they fit the frog lady into that little quill suit is weird. I don't know. It's strange. Who knows? Uh, all right, Scott. So we'll all right. Point taken. I'll uh, we'll take your abuse. It, it, it was uh, it was it was warranted. Just just for the Ralph McQuarrie stuff. That's it. That was it. I was like, yeah, wow. blew that. Not, yeah, they pull that. I couldn't. Well, see, it. that's why that's why that's why we miss you on the Saturday morning show, guys. And for and for 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 listeners of the show, this is the kind of in-depth analysis you will get on the Saturday show. By the way, those shows are 25, 30 minutes. We dig right in to well, you'll, there's, there's none of this usual bullshit that you're getting yeah, here. To tonight. be honest, yeah. you'll you'll only get that kind of in-depth analysis as Scott can wake his ass up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. true. That is very true. Fact. Fact. 
All are right. we gonna are we gonna continue this for uh, Wandavision by any chance? Are we gonna expand our repertoire a little bit? Why not? I would like I would like down. to. Oh, I got when it. is when is Wandavision it. launching, or has it launched already? It's going to launch uh, after the Christmas movie. So if I, I remember I, it right, Mandalorian ends the week before Christmas. Disney Plus has some Christmas programming scheduled, and I think Wandavision is going to launch for uh, New Year's. So if we're talking, since we're a Star Wars podcast and we're talking, if we're going to review WandaVision, I have to ask. Did it come from Lucasfilm? And and other stuff. It doesn't come from Lucasfilm. That's a Marvel property. What the fuck? <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get into the news, uh, I've got one other thing to share. And that is that uh, we've got a special event that I wanted to share with you guys happening. We, the collective, we, the star Wars fandom, we, uh, have an, have an event that everyone needs to be aware of. This is Rancho Obi-Wan's annual virtual fundraiser. This is taking place. It's their, it's their annual gala. It's taking place on November 20th and 21st. Uh, the main event is actually on the 21st. Uh, not, now, normally in a normal, like non, when there's not an uncontrolled global pandemic raging, um, they have about, they sell about 150 tickets. They have special guests that come that uh, they, you, you know, you have to get up to Rancho Obi-Wan in person and you can, you, you meet star Wars people and star Wars celebrities and actors and producers and Lucasfilm people and artists and they've got silent auctions and stuff this year, of course, with the pandemic, uh, it's happening online. So anyone can buy a ticket and get in. Now your ticket is $30 and that is a donation. It's tax deductible. Um, all that, all the money, by the way, taken in by the gala is for museum upkeep insurance to pay staff. None of it goes to acquire any collectibles at all. All of the collectibles owned at Rancho Obi-Wan by Steve Sansweet are purchased by him, by the man himself. Um, no funds, no donations are used for that at all. Um, and so it's an online event this year. Um, for 30 bucks, you, you're on a Zoom call um, with a lot of amazing Star Wars celebrities so check out this lineup pretty cool so right off the bat dave filoni dave filoni will be you can be on a zoom call with dave filoni just ask, don't beat your meat asking <laughs> <laughs> but i make think sure that was on the show i'm not sure easy. if we have I'm not sure if we have a reference for that on the show <laughs> some uh journalist was uh i guess uh, taking care of himself on a zoom call recently so yeah you don't want to do that <laughs> While you're on Rancho Obi-Wan. Uh, <laughs> just it's, just some basic conference call etiquette. Like, always right. mute yourself. Dave Filoni. Don't, uh, don't yeah. jack off. Just basic, <laughs> basic things. Step one. Don't is, jack is, off. Is, is, Dave, is Dave Filoni the crunchiest guy in the Star Wars universe? Is there anybody that just gets higher than Dave Filoni? I can't think of anyone that gets higher. I can't think of a single person. Yeah. Uh, of course, the man behind Star Wars, the Clone Wars, and now, along with Jan, John Favreau, um, the Mandalorian. So Dave Filoni, uh, Brian Rude, uh, Star Wars artist, 
Ashley Eckstein, who's uh, the voice of Ahsoka Tano in The Clone Wars. Um, let's see. other. I'm trying to pull out big names here. Uh, Clayton Sandell, who's with ABC News. There's a lot of Star Wars artists. Uh, Spencer Brinkeroff, Matt Bush, uh, Don Bees, who uh, was a special effects artist on the special edition releases of the films. Um, Michael McMaster, who makes Star Wars props. Uh, James Arnold Taylor, who is the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Clone Wars. Um, let's see who else is here. Ryder Wyndham, who's a Star Wars author. And the, the, the list is huge. Uh, if I could read more, but there's, there's just so many, um, Lawrence Noble, who crafted the Yoda sculpture that's outside of the Lucasfilm headquarters, uh, uh, legend film legend, Ben Burt, the man behind the sound design in all of the star Wars films and so many other star Wars and, uh, Disney and Marvel properties. He will be on the call. Didn't, they, didn't uh, Lucasfilm let him go? Like, kind of shittily if that's a word they did i believe they did oh google that somebody google that our our, our uh our intrepid investigative in, investigative team needs to get on that i i haven't heard There's that only right, one I'm of us had a machine can, can search these things uh Settings oh, oh scott, go. scott you're gonna yeah. love this Jim, Jim Swearington. Does that name ring a bell at all? Sounds familiar. Okay, Jim Swearington was the lead designer for Star Wars toys with Kenner. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was in, like, the, in the 70s. He was the documentary, uh, the toys that made us or something on Netflix. It's a great yes. series. Um, yep. See, I, I got one correction. You mentioned Don Bees, uh, who did a lot of the, um, the, the um, 97 special uh, editions right special effects please you have to make sure that you also note that he was the villain for boba fett in all three of those redone versions where it looks like boba fett gained an extra 50 pounds <laughs> <laughs> all right so don just the camera scott the camera puts 50 pounds those those behind the scene, scene shots of him without the helmet are fantastic by the way <laughs> anytime you see those uh, i'm like oh where's jerry Sam Witwer, voice of Darth Maul in the Clone Wars, uh, and also an actor in his own right. Sam uh, was the voice of Darth Maul in the solo movie for that yep. brief 30 seconds he was in. John also makes an appearance in The Mandalorian. He is in uh, Season 2, Episode 1. Oh. His he face is, or his voice? His, his face. He is actually one of the long-haired looking scruffy Tatooine residents. Okay. John Scolari, who uh, produced a documentary about Ralph McQuarrie called Ralph McQuarrie Illustrator. And there's so many names on this list. For 30 bucks, uh, it, it's, it could be a lot of fun. And, it, it, and your money is going to a great cause to maintain uh, the largest Star Wars, privately owned Star Wars collection on the planet, as certified by Guinness Book of World's Records and probably... The only bigger one that exists is probably at Lucasfilm. So uh, go check that out. You can find, uh, hold on, I had a link here pulled up. You can find information at ranchoobiwan.org slash gala2020. So it's ranchoobiwan.org 
forward slash gala 2020 get your ticket oh there's also actually as we record the show you could uh, you could buy into a wine tasting opportunity where they send you wine from skywalker ranch and skywalker vineyards but as we record the show on november 11th today is the last day to sign up for that so when the show when the show drops on the 13th it's too late but you can still get your tickets 30 bucks gets you into the zoom call uh to enjoy the virtual event if you get in and you're out you're actually able to ask questions do it right away uh just so you know you guys um Karen won tickets off the KLOS thing for a local radio station here for the Alice Cooper one. And oh. uh, it was really fun. Got to hang out with Alice Cooper on a Zoom chat, but I didn't get to ask him a question. Yeah. <laughs> there were too many, too many people uh, trying to chime in. Too many people, and you should really get in right away, put your question out there, and then he'll talk to you. They'll pull you in, and you get to do like a one-on-one type thing. All right. So do we have do we have any information on Ben Burt? What's the Ben Burt situation? Uh, what I'm reading here is, as you guys are chatting about Alice Cooper, is that he they kind of stopped using him after the the Force Awakens. So the Last Jedi and Rogue One, you know, so around that 2017 2018 time frame, they just kind of stopped using him. So I don't think they ever really let him go. They're just not including him in any of the newer star wars works uh, he may have been he may have retired i mean he was you know mm. he, he worked on a new hope i mean he is the guy behind a new hope well here's he... a quote from a vanity fair article from ben burke and they say when asked about why he hasn't worked on the newest films he says i don't know if there's bad blood nobody dot 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 i was just never consulted or hired to do any of them no one's ever told me why no i was told on the new new regime i was just told just stay in your room make sounds and just send stuff to us we'll decide what that's a quote from Uh, and his wow dave maybe you might know this greg i don't know somebody um wasn't his like apprentice for many of those years was matthew wood the the actor they did hire to do all of he's that. still he is now matthew wood is the man yeah so he's yeah. the guy that played general grievous in revenge of the yeah. sith yeah, yeah. the voice yeah. yes and did was it matthew wood or ben burt that was um that did the voice of um uh wally he's done so many um disney and pixar uh movies too he's like the voice of wally um that I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Bless you. <laughs> uh, according to Wikipedia, Ben Burt provides the voice for Wally. Okay. Ah. All right. I don't know why I knew that, but I knew that somehow. Well, um, all right. I'm sorry about I'm sorry about Ben Burt, but uh, he is the man, and he will be at Rancho Obi Wan or or at this uh, live event. This uh, the fundraising gala for 2020. So go check it out. 30 bucks, get in, see a lot of cool stuff. Also see a lot of behind the scenes stuff at Rancho Obi-Wan, which is just an amazing place to go. Mecca for Star Wars fans. Everybody needs to go there at least once. So I'm going to bring something up real quick since we're talking about Ben Burton. I see I'm running through his filmography of work uh, on Wikipedia here. He was the sound designer, guys, for the Star Wars holiday special. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did all the sound design on that. 
And seeing as today is up. November the 13th as this show airs, November the 17th, Life Day, everybody. Life day. motherfucking day. I know where you're going with this. I'm going to put it on pause because we got to play this really quick. From ABC News World Headquarters, this is ABC World News Tonight. No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the wretched hive. So be it. All right. So I can Calvary. jump in here? Yeah, jump in. Jump. This is one of your, I, I'm assuming this is one of your news stories that I'm just jumping all over. Is that right? Uh, uh, does it have to do with Legos? It might. It all right. possibly might. Keep, so, keep, keep rolling. Obviously, the Star Wars holiday special. Television masterpiece from 1978. <laughs> Any disagreements? Anybody disagree? No. Uh, worst thing ever to air on television, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> Bite your tongue. Diane Carroll just died a couple of years ago, too. I was very, <laughs> very sad when Diane Carroll died because I can no longer get my. Uh, I need a sound clip for I can feel your. <laughs> you couldn't tuck your Wookiee anymore? <laughs> I can feel your creation. Yes, I can feel your creation. <laughs> See? That's uh, November 17th, of course, is Life Day. Yes, we yeah. all obvious. Who doesn't know it's Life Day? Uh, on Disney Plus, there is going to be a remaking of the holiday special. I am really bummed it is not a shot-for-shot remake, though. It is just a remaking, a reimagining, if you will, of the Star Wars holiday special. And like Steve says, all in Lego form. So the Lego Star Wars holiday special would be on Disney Plus. We'll have new Star Wars stuff in the merchandise. And Greg, it's so interesting that you mentioned that because I happen to have a clip. I have a clip queued up. The Disney <laughs> Plus Star Wars holiday special. Now, the premise of this holiday special is Lego. that uh, I'm just going to set it up. It's the Lego holiday special, but it's, I'm not going to play the whole thing. This is a preview, a, a trailer, if you will. Uh, the premise of this is that uh, Ray, our hero Ray, now Ray Skywalker, apparently, whatever, uh, finds yeah, finds a uh, finds a time travel device, and she's able to travel around and witness significant moments in Star Wars history for herself. So that's that's sort of the in, in Lego. Yeah, this is all Lego. It's a Lego production. Um, ha, have you guys, by the way, have you seen the trailer at all? Have you, anyone? Anyone? I haven't no, watched. I, it. I, haven't watched I it. just saw the movie poster, and the movie okay. poster is pretty strong. All right. Uh, I will share my screen in that case. Uh, let me do that really quick, and you have guys. You guys can... seen the movie poster? Yes. Have not. I no. Have. Nope. All right. Uh, okay. There we go. Uh, I hope I did that correctly. Can you? Are you seeing the uh, Star Wars website, StarWars.com? Yep. yep. All right. There we go. Special. There we go. Disney Plus original. This is a. I'll play the first thirty seconds or so. This is the trailer for the Star Wars Holiday Special Lego version that is dropping November seventeenth on Disney Plus. Here we go. Check it out. As it cues up here. Twas the night before life day in a galaxy far, far away. Looking good. Tree, food, decorations. Coming together, heroes were to celebrate the day. Please be a cape. Please be a cape. That's a wrap. For Ray, adventure called 
and she thought it would be fast. Wow. But there she found a key to the galaxy's past. What are you doing? This is all right. So we'll we'll stop it there. Uh, just a little teaser. So that's uh, that last scene. You had Ray dropping into Luke's X-wing as he's about to blow up the Death Star, so she can just transport herself into these significant moments in Star Wars history. It looks like a lot of fun. I I will be watching this and streaming it on day one. It's a wrap. <laughs> she couldn't transport to a spot where she could stop fucking. Tyler Wren from stabbing Han Solo. Yeah, right. She couldn't, you know, she's got to drop into Luke's X-Wing. She couldn't drop into the exhaust port with like a couple of, couple of thermal detonators. <laughs> Just drop them down the chute. I, I do like the uh, the effects there for the uh, the ugly sweater look. And then Poe is wearing an ugly sweater. <laughs> through, through what there's, looks a like- lot of, there's a lot of great comedy with those start with the Lego mm-hmm. specials. Yeah. You know, watch them with yeah. the family. If you have little kids, yes. even better. Uh, they are they are very cute. Yeah. If you have little kids or Star Wars podcasters in your home, mm-hmm. watch, watch them with them. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So on November 18th, we're going to have a 9 o'clock review of the <laughs> Star Wars Lego. Oh, it's not a Saturday. Make it 6 a.m. Damn you, Greg. <sighs> uh, 6 a.m. Um, all right, we've got a couple of books that we need to hit on today, guys. Uh, we're running long already. We've already been at this for an hour, guys, almost. Um, so there's a book that is rolling out that just looks absolutely fascinating. And uh, Polygon.com has a great article that covers a lot of the content, or at least uh, at a high level, a lot of the content. Uh, the title of the article is Darth Maul's sequel role and nine other Star Wars tidbits from Toshin's new prequel book. Lucas looks back at his final Star Wars movies and the sequels that might have been. That's dated November 10th, 2020. So we'll just run through some of these points uh, that this book apparently covers. The book is called Star Wars The Archives, 1999 through 2005. It's a companion to the 1977 to 1983 edition. Now, there are several points in this book um, that are raised and covered here in this article, so I'll just uh, I'll just run through them. So point number one, Darth Maul was supposed to return for the sequel trilogy. So Lucas intended for Darth Maul to sort of be the big baddie. In the well, he trilogy. was, you know, kind of the godfather of the whole Clone Wars series. You know, Filoni... You know, went to Lucas for story ideas and advice and tips, and it was a collaboration between the two of them. Right. So that's how it makes sense that he would include those elements in his own in his own sequel trilogy. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm curious about this book because this book's going to obviously cover the prequel stuff and how it it would have tied in or lent the ideas of the newer Lucas ideas because he did have ideas prior to this prior to the prequels so uh, there were interviews back in the in the mid I mean, early 80s with Mark Hamill and a few other people talking about Lucas's idea for nine and I even heard at some point yeah. on one of those interviews 12, 12 uh, different films so it's interesting to see after the prequels were made how that influenced 
Lucas's creative ideas that were for those sequels, even though we were told once the prequels were done, we weren't getting any more. So, right. Curious. That's it. I'm really fascinated by this, and I really thank Dave for putting this article out there for us. Uh, okay, the, the second is uh, the sequels were Leia's moment, and I think we we would have seen more of that had uh, had Carrie survived. Although, and, and we've heard JJ and others talk about that. Yeah, that wasn't that was the intention. Um, who are the Wills? The Journal of the Wills is sort of a fictional Bible, uh, well-known to Star Wars fans, um, that uh, drove a lot of the Star Wars history. Um, And in his original concepts, the Wills were microscopic, single-celled life forms that more or less control midichlorians, who then create life. Uh, And this, there were a lot of articles about the fact that. Lucas had this idea to create, you know, the story about these, the symbiotic relationship between the wills and the midichlorians. And <laughs> uh, we're, we're putting star Wars fans to sleep here as we talk about this, but uh, there was such a backlash about the midichlorians that he abandoned that concept. Essentially what this, what this is saying. Well, if we're going to touch on each one of these subjects and maybe not a lot, we should definitely talk about the Leia stuff. It's not just Leia. I found it that, that particular section, very interesting where Leia's role was much bigger. Like she eventually becomes the new Republic Supreme Chancellor. And it also leads into how Mark Hamill's character, Luke, goes on and does kind of what the old, the, what the legends did. And that's basically create a Jedi school and uh, creates a, a new generation of Jedi and goes on to teach them. So all these little, little bits and pieces or nuggets of this seem to have seeped into the sequels. With JJ, and I think we're going to get to that about how that got changed a little bit with uh, the Disney purchase. The last quote in that one, by the way, Scott, is that um, she, Leia, ended up being the chosen one. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the truth about Anakin's father uh, in the original script for Revenge of the Sith, someone else was in charge of creating the senior Skywalker. So that's interesting. Um, now, was this a thing? I know we hate discussing the midichlorian crap, but this is that single cell thing, right? The wills. Isn't this the thing where the emperor was? This is what we didn't get, like pieces that were left out of the prequel, where right. um, uh, Palpatine was the one who actually was manipulating the force to create Anakin. I thought that actually might be a little more fascinating than just, hey, look, surprise a baby. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Lucas maintains that Greedo shot first. Bullshit. Yeah, I'm going to just, I'm with Dave. <laughs> I, I, that, I, I think that, I, I honestly, I'm coming around to this idea that Lucas had this intent for how the scene should be in his head. And unfortunately, as occasionally happens with the creator, the product that you deliver doesn't actually line up with the vision in your head. And that's where the disconnect happens. I think he genuinely intended for it to, to be that, you know, Greedo shoots first, but because of how it was edited and put together and maybe Marsha did it without talking to, to George, 
it comes across that Han shot first, and now everybody's latched onto that as a key character element. And it totally works that Han would shoot first. It's total BS, his argument, like, oh, I don't want it to be a cold-blooded killer, all, all that. Look, a guy has a gun on you, is saying he's going to kill you. If you kill that person before they take their shot, you're not a cold-blooded killer. You're acting in self-defense. Right. The threat was there. The threat, it was real for what the movie was. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, th- yeah I call he's a guy who spent his time doing what he could to, you know, get by from one end of the galaxy to the other. It's not like he probably hadn't murdered other people. Let's get let's get real. About <laughs> let's it. be real right. for a minute. That was not Han's first time shooting first. Exactly. Right. Yes. Exactly. I don't. You know, I don't believe that. Um. That Greedo shoots at all in the original cut. No, no, there is no shot that comes his way at all. Right. No, it's just Greedo talking a lot of shit and Han spending a lot of time slowly getting that blaster out of right. its holster, and carefully aiming it on the table. Me. Yeah. yeah. And so here's the Lucas quote really quick, uh, really quick, which is really interesting. I mean, on one hand, if you're going to believe all the other stuff that he's saying in this article, you know, maybe maybe there's something to this. He says, quote, I never designed Han to be a ruthless killer. He says, all the good guys shoot in self-defense. When I edited the scene in 1977, you couldn't tell who does what. So, again, I think I think your point about uh, Lucas's vision not coming through on film, that maybe his vision was different. But what came on what came through on film was that Han is ruthless and that gave him an edge. Look, I, I get it. I, I'm going to back George on a lot of stuff, but this I can't because there's yeah. too much suspect here. The fact that he says when I edited the scene in 1977, you couldn't tell who does what he didn't edit that scene. There were other editors involved. And one of them was his wife who ends up being one of the most important editing uh, pieces of the, of the puzzle here. And um, I'm sorry. I, I it, I never designed Han to be a ruthless killer. Greg, you're right. He's not a ruthless killer. He is just a guy who's sensing a moment where if I don't do something, I'm going to die. Yeah. yeah. He, he doesn't do it just to just to kill him. He he does it because he's backed into a corner. And if yeah. somebody's going to back him into a corner, that guy is going to lose. I mean, for Christ's uh, sakes, he works for Jabba the Hutt. He's working for a bounty, a crime lord. It's not like he's a good guy. He's at a point in his life where he's not yeah. in the best spot. So he's not going to be like, well, he's. I better wait till he shoots first, and then I'm going to get him because I'm a good guy. You know, right. I just it, I will only shoot when shot at. And, you know, Scott, you brought up an interesting point about, you know, uh, Lucas saying that I, when I edited the, the sequence. So Marsha, I know, is largely credited with editing the death star sequence at the end. Right. She had a big hand in that. Uh, This is, and this is getting really deep into the film lore, but I'm wondering if he did edit this scene because remember this scene, the, the, the cantina scene was reshot like at a different location. Yeah. But most, most notoriously known for was the original edit. The first, the first cut, which I think Lucas had his hands in, but the one where I think was credited to actually giving Lucas the heart attack was 
Richard, was it Richard Chu or Paul Hirsch? One, one of the, somebody was involved in the original edit, the one that is like the really just straightforward storytelling, no really decent edits. And that's, that's where I, I think Lucas is just embellishing, or not embellishing that, but just saying it for the sake of saying it. I don't think he was involved in that much of the editing process at that point. He might've been sitting in the room and maybe calling out a few things, but the way he words that is like, I'm the one who did it and it didn't come across the way I, I'm like, no, 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 no. You have professional people working on this film who were editing this film. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Literally gave you a heart attack, Matt. <laughs> so back off, <laughs> you know, he had a tuna sandwich and he was looking for a bib. That's what it was, man. I need I a bib. That Fortuna. Um, all right. Let's see what else. A uh, couple. There's a lot here, so I'll just uh, scroll down. Uh, talks about Hayden Christensen, Christensen not being tall enough to play Vader and using lifts. I think uh, that's. I've big. read about that before. Yeah, we've we've heard that. I before. think we've talked about that before. We have. We have. Yeah. And that he didn't quite fill the, the uh, the the what do they call the the shoulder pieces? What are those things called? Pauldrons. The call the pauldrons, yeah. Pauldrons. He's, he's sort of when he first when he's first Vader, he sort of looks a little bit smallish uh, in the Vader armor. Uh, and then at the end, he talks about uh, which which is you know I, I think is really apropos to the the news of the day um, outside of the Star Wars universe. But he's talking about corrupt corporations and acknowledging that people were upset that the prequels opened up with the trade blockade and dispute. But Lucas says, nevertheless, that's how wars start. And uh, the two main themes are about becoming a bad person and democracy being given away. There's no coup. There's no rebellion. There's no nothing. People voted in. That's what happens in real life. Um, so that's- Star Wars Archives 99 to 2005. Check it out. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. It's going to cost you 150 bucks. Uh, but there's a lot of content here. Uh, it looks like a lot of great imagery as well. And I think that comes out in mid-December in the States. Just just quick on that Thanks, cor- corporations, that last subject. I, I, you know, he's not wrong, but again, it's how you deliver that. Talking about trade, you know, wars and corrupt corporations and the trade federations and how democracy is going to fail and all this stuff – doesn't if, if this is supposed to be a kids movie, you don't just throw in a dumbass lizard character who's going to be poop <laughs> to make it a kids movie. Yeah. <clears throat> you could tell those stories in a more fascinating and streamlined way that could still convey that message to the adults taking the kids there, but keeps the other parts more interesting and active for the kids. I went and saw that movie when I was five years old. When I was five and saw Star Wars. I'm sure there were things that escaped me. Now I went and saw it a couple times and then I went back years later and obviously it's become a fandom thing, but you look back and you, there are things you didn't see as a kid and it's okay. It's okay to overlook those things. You know, people look at, I look at like Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory as a scary as hell movie for kids, but it's a kid's movie that you could tell. It's like the old grim fairy tales. It's okay to say certain things that are going to go over their heads or, or won't quite get picked up until maybe later on in life. Adults will pick up on it. Let this play out. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere here, uh, that's a great point, Scott. And, and I'll just add uh, somewhere here. He says, you know, he's, he's dealing with the criticism of uh, 
of the flow of the prequels. And he says something like, you know, people can say what they want, but I, I, and I may be making a movie that nobody wants to see, but I'd rather do that than tell the same story over and over. I get it. I get it. And that was his point. And, and it still made, you know, a, a billion dollars. Also, one more thing, if you're going to throw in trade federation wars and battles and corrupt corporations, don't use racist stereotypes and all yeah. that stuff. That's what really kicked it for me. I'm like, come on. Yeah, that was we a little rough. That was they rough. They should add more. There should, there, I don't think there was enough racism. In <laughs> Great. There's institutional racism yeah. even in a galaxy far, far away. Do you have your, do you have your mug tonight, Greg? Oh, my God. Perfect. Well done. Well done. Uh, the second book I wanted to point out tonight, we alluded it to alluded to it in the in the uh, opening alluded of the show. Alluded it to? Yeah, it's getting late. Uh, <laughs> it's getting late, and I have a whiskey in me. Um, I loaded it too. <clears throat> Yoda recognized R two D two on Dagobah, and now we have that has been canonized in the book titled "From a Certain Point of View." The Empire Strikes Back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did it come from Lucasfilm? It did. Yes. It actually did come from Lucasfilm. But actually he, did this time. Okay. But here's the bigger question. Yes, sir. How does Uncle Owen not recognize C-3PO? Right. So uh, Scott threw up his hands. Because he's Around. gold. <laughs> he wasn't gold the last time he saw him. He wasn't? No. Last time he saw him, he was like, like just the the inside. He didn't have the golden. Outside. I'm naked. Oh. No, that was only episode one. Oh. He was he was covered in episode two, but it wasn't it like shiny silver gold. Stuff. It was it was like it was like silvery, and I think yeah. all protocol droids kind of look the same. That's racist. Racist, racist, wow. sir. That's God, racist. God. So from a certain point of view. <laughs> <laughs> the Empire Strikes Now, from a certain point of view, A New Hope is fantastic. Highly recommend. And I'm going to play a little sample of, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. Um, now, the, the whole concept of this book is that uh, it's, it's, the, it's the characters in the film, and you're getting a different take on a, 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 a scene that we're all familiar with. And events in the movie that we're all familiar with because we've seen the movie 500 times. But this is a different take on that scene because you're getting it from a different angle, from a different character's point of view in the same scene. So I'm going to play uh, the sample. This is just the sample that's provided by Audible.com. And um, check it out. See if you can pick out the scene from Empire Strikes Back where these characters are having some dialogue. So I'll play this. Here we go. Do you really think fun is a priority for any of them? Lorem giggled, and even Myella had to smile. Durjo, however, scowled, turning his head sharply. Are you criticizing Lord Vader? Azir waved a hand dismissively. They're bringing death to those who would threaten the Empire. I lived through a war none of you remember or understand. I have no desire to do it again. And Lorem, to answer your question, I'd rather stay in this floating tin can forever than visit any of the forsaken rocks our probe droids are reporting from. Not a hundred thousand, Myella said softly. What? Lorem asked, 
turning around in her chair to give her full attention to Mayella. All right. Any thoughts? Where? What part of the movie are they uh, dialoguing about there? It sounds like people on Cloud City when she talks about a floating tin can. Hmm. I'm, I'm thinking it's Imperials on the Star Destroyer that just launched 100,000 probe droids all over the galaxy trying to find our heroes. Mm-hmm. If there's not at least a chapter dedicated to Ice Cream Man in this book, Ice Cream Man, <laughs> it is failing. <laughs> all right, so go check it out. From a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back, uh, and uh, it's read by Jonathan Davis, who's no stranger to Star Wars uh, literature. Lead singer Yes. Sean Ellis Reyes, Dion Graham, John Hamm from uh, Mad Men lends his voice. Mark Thompson, who's a veteran Star Wars narrator. Man in LA. Sam Witwer, previously mentioned uh, Star Wars actor. So good stuff. Go check it out. Um, guys, believe it or not, uh, we've come to this. It's Star Wars Tweet of the Week. Yahoo! Really? Curious. Because everybody knows that Twitter is a source of endless positivity. You're gravely mistaken. Come to your senses! Well, uh, there are a few Twitter accounts that are kind of funny. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for once, for once, I have so many to choose from because of the election. There's a lot. There's a lot of Star Wars tweets out there. Everybody came alive. Man, Mark Hamill has been on freaking fire. Yeah. The election. He's such a sedate, horrible Twitter the rest of the time. <laughs> uh, Mark Hamill tweets on November 7th. Hashtag best episode ever. And uh, use the Star Wars poster format to show... Obama, Trump, and Biden, and named them A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Uh, (laughs) Brilliant. I think, you know, like 400,000 people or something like that tweet. But I have to call out also non-Star Wars tweet that you brought up uh, in our thread, I think, think Dave. Stacey Abrams weighing in on Buffy. I know we've got some Buffy fans on this. I, on this I knew I liked that woman. Podcast. That's all I'm going to say. I knew <laughs> Scott, I liked Scott that Scott is woman. moving to Georgia just so he can vote for Stacey Abrams for governor in the next election. Stacey Abrams. Already did it, and I'm back. On November 9th, to be fair, Angel was the right boyfriend for Buffy coming into her power. Spike was the right man to be with as she became the power. Right. And then I love the uh, Joss Whedon actually <laughs> retweeted. I agree. <laughs> Joss Whedon, cool. desperate for relevance at this point. Just yeah. desperate for relevance. Oof. Scott, what not... are your feelings on the Buffy take? I, Dave, I know you're a big fan, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the edge huh? to Scott for fandom on this one. So Scott, yeah. what is your what is your feeling on her take? If you if you I'm going to tell you real quick, but if you have watched both series, Buffy and Angel, you're going to get this then. I still think Spike was the better character and the better boyfriend, and Angel was just a puppet. <laughs> just a puppet. You're a puppet. Angel a puppet. was actually a puppet at one point. 
Thank you. Ben England, <laughs> one of the great uh, season five episodes, if I remember correctly. I created Ben England, who created the tick. Yeah. <laughs> that episode is still one of the funniest things there's, ever. There, there's an episode of Angel where he literally gets turned into a Muppet. <laughs> and they and they just play it straight. They don't even play it for laughs in the show. They just play it straight, like, "Oh shit, he's a Muppet. We need to figure out how to undo this." And it's it's hilarious. I do I do love how Scott is dropping this deep cut of Angel on us, though, knowing knowing that Dave is the only one who's watched these series. Honestly, I didn't know you had watched Angel the series. I thought you might have. Uh, I didn't. No. I, okay. I I tried Buffy guys. I tried it. And it was it was too Scooby Doo for me. Couldn't couldn't do it. Yeah, I watched the first uh, the first season. I made it through the first season, and yeah, I know the the, the hardcore Buffy fans are will like go to their grave power fighting for the show. But um, like Scott, I know you like read the comic books, or, or Dave, probably you too, to be quite honest. You did the the, the season seven comic books. And, I read some of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Mark so, Hamill also. Oh, sorry, Dave. Really sorry, quick. Steve. Buffy Go. season two, yep. well, yep. well worth seeing, and there are some single episodes that I will make you sit down and watch. Yes, absolutely. All right. Hush is by far one of the greatest episodes ever filmed for television, and then you have to see once more. If you're going to bring up the goddamn body again one more time, I'm going to come over there and just <laughs> step on you. Nope. <laughs> Jodo uh, cast. <laughs> Mark Hamill also tweeting on November 10th the job of the bar uh, image which is uh, grotesque <laughs> and um, last one my personal favorite Mark Hamill on November 9th so we're doing a boot as well as we can eh? thanks for asking Canada and the uh, meme is uh, the Canadian Prime Minister saying you guys okay down there and Han <laughs> saying uh, everything's perfectly alright now we're fine all fine here how are you? Uh, so good, good stuff coming from Mark Hamill. Follow him. Follow him on on uh, Twitter. He's pretty funny. Oh, there's another one here. He says, "Oh, then my little buddy's going to protect the postal service." And he's got a picture of a post office box that's uh, painted up like R two D two. So nice. yeah, lots of Star Wars stuff coming from Mark, and uh, showing his po- waving his political flag loudly. As we wind down the presidential season, presidential election season, national Ash. treasure. Mark, yes. true that. Correct, Scott. True that. Correct. All right, guys. Uh oh. You should turn that up a little bit. Wait, you should turn that down a little bit. I had a little issue with my. Uh, with my soundboard there, I, I hope that uh, you guys didn't drop out there for a minute because I couldn't hear you and I kind of panicked. It was my soundboard taking over. I don't know. With Anthony ways. Daniels as C3PO. Thank God your soundboard works. <laughs> <laughs> your mother was milking it last night, Trebek. <laughs> oh my God, it's one of the greatest bits. It's so funny. Oh wow, what a what a what a strange time we're living through. What a strange time with COVID and the election and no Star Wars movies for two more years at least. What do we, I mean, utter chaos. You know, I was, I was just in Arizona. I spent a few days in Arizona with guys. um, And I was pleased to see that very, very few people 
we're not wearing masks in Arizona. So that's good, good on you. Way to go. You're doing your thing. Even though we're all traveling like idiots, considering <laughs> the, 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 the virus is now spreading rapidly again with record numbers of people being hospitalized daily. Uh, we stupid at travel, but it was our anniversary. Were there more people uh, wearing masks in Arizona than there are in like Huntington Beach and other parts of Orange County? You know, I don't go to Huntington Beach, and I hear that's one of the more carefree places, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, down here in Southern Orange County, where I live, uh, everybody's pretty much masked up. It's very few people with masks. It was very much the same thing everywhere we went. From right. Northern Arizona. Wear your mask. Socially distance. Uh, how this thing is spreading now is in groups of people that are getting together and not socially distancing and not wearing masks. Bottom line. Celebrating baseball and, and basketball championships and birthdays and special events. and Stick to your bubble, people. Wear your mask. Socially distance. Guys, episode 167 is in the books. Any final thoughts? Mm, no. check us out on saturday morning have a great week and we will see you soon and may the force be with us all no 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 not in the r's not in the r's that's not what your mother said